In the year 1831, biologist Charles Darwin began a fateful journey on the HMS Beagle. On that journey, Darwin formulated the controversial theory of evolution which has impacted society down to this day. Our goal is to punch holes in that theory, so we'd like to welcome you to Sink the Beagle. Fire one, Captain! Way to go, Stan. You haven't lost your touch at all. Why, thank you. Not bad for an old codger. I am Stan Hudson. And I'm John Kurlinski, welcoming you to another fun-filled episode of Sink the Beagle, Beagle where we take a light-hearted look at the very serious, very heavy issues of creationism, evolutionism, where we came from, where we may be going. We look at uh, science and scripture to come to some unabashed conclusions. And we like to trace it through time, and especially we focus on certain events or Certain, um, oh, that's a nice clock, Thank Stan. You. Thank you. Uh, certain things that have happened in the past that help us get a hold of it. How did things get the way they are today in this volatile time? And actually, we want to talk uh, resurrect something that's being resurrected because of a fine there, Stan. Well, the Smithsonian dug around in their their closet, so to speak, their attics, and they found a box of old pictures and. Goodness sakes, it was pictures from the past. Pictures from what past? Well, the Scopes Trial, 1925. A new scoop on Scopes? Uh, uh. Nah, 1925, the Scopes Trials, and some people have called it the most famous trial that ever the took place. Trial the Monkey Trial was another name Monkey for Trial. Uh, they made a movie called Inherit the Wind, basically on this with Spencer Tracy uh, in 1960. Uh, a very famous, uh, well-received movie because of the stereotypes that the trial produced. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. We want to take a look at those old pictures and kind of remember what took place in 1925 in Dayton, Tennessee. Yeah, and what really happened is actually when people study the history of the Scopes trial, they discover mm-hmm. that Dayton, Tennessee... It was really sort of a circus atmosphere ploy to put Dayton on the map. It wasn't actually an intentional, Still kind of let's cause of trouble here. But it's interesting when you go back to the trial to see some of the people who were involved mm-hmm. and the agendas that they were, that drove them oh, behind them. And so maybe, Lots of characters. You know, one of the pictures they don't have on this new discovery, what they need to actually put up there for people to see, and he's actually, you can find him on the web, it's Roger Baldwin. Now, who's uh, Roger Baldwin? Roger Baldwin was the founder of the famous organization known today as the ACLU, one of the ah. founders, his, him and a few of his friends. He was one of the lead founders of it. An American Civil Liberties Union. Usually you think of them as being a kind of a group of lawyers that help out some, uh, underdog, some obscure against uh, underdog the, right against the big establishment. And really, if you look at it, that's kind of the way it came off in 1925. Yes. But I want to go back a little before we go to the actual oh, okay. happened in 25. It's a little bit of this Roger Baldwin okay, guy. Okay, 1920, though. what was he doing? 1920 was getting released from jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, he had gone through some, he visited some famous anarchist lectures and stuff like that. And he basically called himself sort of a, a social libertarian or something. He basically was a communist. He, he said was a, his goal was communism and, and among worldwide other things, communism, the, yes. the abolition of government. Think about 1920. That's not too long after the Russian Revolution and, and communism is now controlling uh, Russia and, and that large nation. And the whole idea, Karl Marx and all these other uh, great uh, communist thinkers, 
acres is certainly filtering toward the West, and Roger the, Baldwin picked it up. The humanistic enamorment with this elitist type of thought, well, uh-huh. no God thought, mm-hmm. uh, he picked it up. He became, I don't know if he became a member of the Communist Party. I have to study a little more on his yeah. history, but basically he proclaimed himself a communist. His first thing he did was to try to put this newly founded ACLU organization into the political news and into the uh, right get, uh, get, get a blog a sort name. of you know make sure. a name for himself and make some statements and, and so what they did is one of the ways they did it was by attacking government and god so to speak or no well, the two institutions of government and religion which in which stood in, in his way of his communist utopia and communist thinking is those are the things you need to get rid of anarchy and religion so what they did was, in New York, they had uh, some lawyers, and they found out about a law that had been recently passed in Tennessee. And it was the first state-enacted law in which there was a prohibition for the public school system to teach evolution. Yes, and that was called the Butler Act. The Butler Act, and it was, uh, like we said, the first state, and Tennessee was the one. And they saw this law, and they thought, hmm... Let's, Why don't we get somebody to break that law and we'll represent them in court? And so they found a one John Thomas Scopes, the janitor, not the janitor. He was a substitute science teacher. Yeah, he was a PE teacher by training. PE teacher. But he did do subbing for the biology teacher. They asked uh, the biology teacher if he'd do it, but he wouldn't do it. So they got the substitute <laughs> biology teacher to teach evolution in class. And they promised to back him up and, and be his lawyers and pay his fines if he was willing to take on the system. Now, and Enter into some other characters into this story, and that would be a Rappelier, a Rappelier, we're not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but he and some businessmen in Dayton said, you know, here's an opportunity for us to put Dayton on the map. ACLU wanted to put ACLU on the map, and Dayton wanted to put Dayton on the map, and so he got together some leaders, they talked about it, planned, and before this was all over, working with the ACLU lawyers, they got together the two greatest orators of their day. Yeah, Clarence Darrow and... Representing and the ACLU you, and John Scopes, his defense. And then William Jennings Bryan. As a prosecutor, an ex-secretary of state, a presidential candidate, candidate. a Democrat. Yeah, and, uh, the old and, Southern and a, Democrat. Yeah, Bible-believing uh, Democrat. And so they put these two great teachers, and on top of everything else, throw in there part of what would become a media circus, the first national broadcast on this new fang thing called radio. radio hello, what, hello, we're talking on radio right now. Sink the Beagle. Yeah, no, anyway. <laughs> the first one. Imagine silly people trying to make a name by being on the radio. radio yeah, I tell you. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so, 1925 rolls around. John Scopes, uh, actually, it's kind of funny. He, he To make sure that he actually did teach from a textbook uh, that he had uh, that mentions evolution, he got a couple of students together. I think they were in the back of a car and said to him, listen, this is what this teaches. And they and taught these two students so later they could say on the on the uh, trial stand, uh, yes, the, John Scopes did teach us evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure he got he, that right. They got that right and could have that there. Yeah, it was, it was such a circus-like atmosphere. And the reality is, is the point was, is to attempt to challenge these laws and to mm-hmm. make creationists look puny, closed-minded, and, and basically not like they don't know what they're talking about. Right. And guess what? It worked. It worked. It really did. It worked. And it was only, it's only been, uh, and even the whole, actually the movie Inherit the Wind isn't even a correct portrayal of what really happened. Not even close. But that really helped cement this whole movement 
and it gave it put ACLU on the map. It put all these things, but Dayton, Tennessee, on the map to a degree. Clarence Darrow uh, was a, a brilliant uh, defense attorney who made William Jennings Bryant, who was brilliant in his own right, put him on the defensive. Uh, Bryant did not have good answers uh, for his science-based questions and uh, qu- questions about. Uh, so you believe that the whale, a uh, whale, could swallow Jonah? Yes, I can believe it. Do you believe? And, and they talked about miracles and so forth. And he, Brian, believed in miracles. But then Daryl said, "So you believe uh, Jonah could swallow the whale too?" Well, yes, and and in the just in the way in which he approached Brian, he made Brian look kind of foolish, mm-hmm. and uh, and from that point on, thanks partly to this movie *Inherit the Wind* and a Broadway play by the same name, it just seems like creationists, you and me, John, creationists lost the PR battle in 1925, and we haven't won it since. No, and we and they're struggling today, and and actually we'll talk about another thing: the Beagle, some of the outcomes mm-hmm. of an attempt to retake the stage and what right. is happening What's in our world today. today yeah. yeah, but for now, we want to continue to follow up on this trial. So the stereotype has been cast. Yes. Creationists, the creationists are narrow-minded. They live in medieval times. They don't, they're not acquainted with science. Science they're Bible be- thumpers. They're just kind of ignorant old country hicks. Out of this also, though, came the idea, though, that science became the ultimate authority. Yes, as a byproduct, which wasn't yes. intended by this trial, mm-hmm. science is already growing in steam with technologies and inventions. But now, science is has also been elevated as the source for what is true. The science even interprets the Bible for us when we're confused. Yes, and and and, and actually, biblical uh, interpretation had been has been really been on the decline since the time of Darwin. Yes, and since these things, and when you couple it with the First World War, mm-hmm. and, and, and you throw in the milieu, the, you'll find more commentaries which are downplaying the supernatural right. of the scriptures. You'll right. find more biblical schools like Harvard, where this uh, Roger uh, Bald, uh, Baldwin, Baldwin graduated mm-hmm. from, whose divinity schools are almost nothing are the farthest from divine. As <laughs> you know, they, they are they are not necessarily what I would call. Uh, uh, seminaries, which really put a lot of authority into the Word, the of, God, Word of God, or believe it as yes. an authoritative Even document. That's what it was founded to be an institution for. Yes, and so mm-hmm. it's interesting that some of those very institutions have now come to work against the Bible mm-hmm. and what it represents, and try to make mm-hmm. it the Word of Man, not the Word of God. So we see, we see in the public's mind, especially as they witness this circus, uh, that uh, science. Uh, was bumped up a couple notches in the eyes of the public and religious people, including brilliant people like William Jennings Bryant, began to look, you know, like, like the, they like they were like out, the clowns, out of, like they were out of step with reality. Yeah, the circus that made them the clowns. Mm-hmm. You know, but Stan, we have a torpedo text I want to touch on. And we can okay. both want to. Um, yes. That kind of addresses what God would do or look at if he sees these things and what his statement might be according to what man's attempt to yes. erase him from the picture. Man's wisdom. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 1 and verses uh, 20 and following. It says, where is the wise man, Paul opines? Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. For mm. the foolish men, foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. 
So the wisdom of man uh, is, isn't much compared to the wisdom of God. And man can appear wise, and the yeah. world can look like they've got it all together and they understand reality, they got the clear picture. But in actual fact, God's wisdom is greater. And they can't solve the problem of the human heart, the mm-hmm. depravity, the cruelty, mm-hmm. the evil that goes on. You know, just recently in the news, not too many weeks ago from the time of this recording, mm-hmm. you know, you send people like Condoleezza Rice and the press Mm-hmm. Uh, over to the over the Sudan, and they get roughed up by a bunch of thugs who don't share those values, and who, who basically can snub their nose. And you get thugs there, and you get and they're murdering lots of people in their own country. And you get as smart as we are as people, we don't use our wisdom, our authority, and our power and our intelligence to really bring about world good. We use it to bring about world destruction in the end. Yeah, we just like seem it. to be getting better and, and more uh, more efficient at killing each other instead yes. of uh, solving the world problems. And so, you know, what you believe, how you look at life, your foundational, like we talked about last time, I think your worldview impact your actions. It took a person like Roger Baldwin and it turned an organization which is basically communist in philosophical foundations, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically an anti-God, anti-government organization, right. which exalts the humanism of the average man. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I wouldn't like most of the average. Would you like just an average man doing surgery on you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. no. Or the wisdom of the average man and, and exalting mm-hmm. it to somehow some benevolent level. And it's mm-hmm. it's not true. It doesn't mm-hmm. work in the real world. And. That's just the what society we've left ourselves with. As you said, in a, in a few, not too long from now, future uh, Sink the Beagle, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the trends out there in the science religion field that actually has the potential of reversing this somewhat anyway, this stereotype that was established at Scope's trial about uh, the, the great place of science and, and the wisdom. And of, of course, that. we're doing our share here on Sink the Beagle to reverse just that trend. a little bit. One more, one more voice, a lone voice for about the few lone, no, we appreciate <laughs> All you that listen into Life Talk Radio, and just want to thank you for that. And we look forward to hearing you again on another Sink the Beagle. Thanks for listening to Sink the Beagle. We'd like to send you a special gift just for being with us today. Write to our email address, beagle at lifetalk.net, and ask for your free copy of Dr. Dwight Nelson's book called Built to Last, A Thoughtful Look at Creation and Evolution. Ask for Built to Last when you write to Beagle at lifetalk.net. And be sure to listen in next time to another episode of Sink the Beagle. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile. From seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan's Island.